Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Friday to you. Those who are live streaming with us today on Facebook, Boca Podcast, and then on YouTube, the same thing. Um, welcome to the show, and we're happy to have you here. And I'll say right from the get-go, please don't be shy. Join in the conversation today. We've got a lovely guest with us, and I want you to take advantage of the opportunity to ask Taylor, who I'm going to introduce here in just a second, plenty of questions. We're getting into a pretty interesting topic, actually, and we're going to dig deep. So don't be shy. Ask questions, comment on your experience, get involved in the conversation, make it a group discussion. And it just makes it more interesting, more fun that way. So don't be shy. And then for those of you listening to audio, as I always say, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast so that you can keep up to date with the upcoming live streams. B-O-K-E-H podcast on Instagram. And uh, you can follow us there. And then just one last quick note. As I promised everybody um, that I would do before each and every episode, I made a donation to Charity Water today, earlier in the day or earlier this morning. I know for a lot of people that are live streaming or even, and I just popped up the receipt there on screen. For those of you who are live streaming, you probably can't quite see it. I Every time I screenshot the uh, the receipt there, I include the, the date and you can see the date and time in it. So there's, there's full accountability. But I just bring this up uh, as a way just to encourage everybody to continue to look for opportunities to give back. You know, when we think about Ukraine and all that's going on right there, or there, and then plenty of other places in the world too, where people are struggling with something as, even as basic as drinking water, charity water, that's, that's what their focus is. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for, and I think that should just naturally push us to look for opportunities to give, whether it's to our local community or uh, around the world. So just want to leave that encouragement with you. And um, on that note, I want to speak of encouragement. I have to say that I've, I've already been encouraged this morning in conversation with Taylor, and, and we've barely had conversation. We were setting up the, the logistics, the technical <laughs> side of things. But Taylor, I, I said this to you before we started. I'll say it again. You bring just a really wonderful energy. And I don't know if you've had those experiences where you talk with people and you just walk away and you're like, oh, that just really felt good. You already bring that vibe. So thank you for that. Thanks so much. Thank you, Nathan. And I got to say, I am so excited that you make donations and you contribute back to the, not even your own community, but other communities. Because I know for us, that's a huge pillar in our business of Mm. getting out what you get. So I love that. I love that you started with that. Uh, well, it, and again, I don't do it to like, you know, humble brag or anything of the sort. It's, it's a small right. donation, but it's, I was reminded. So we had a, a guest on the, on the podcast last year. His name is Sean Lee. And Sean uh, is a photographer based out of the Detroit area and just does, I mean, a humbling level of work with the local community there. And it really pushed me. And I, I don't immediately know how to get involved in my local community in the same way. But at the very least, this was an organization that I've been giving to for years and I was like, you know what? I can step it up. I could give more. And so that was just a commitment that I made. And it's a way just to kind of encourage everybody else to do the same thing. Because we're super, super lucky. Like for all the stuff that we, we complain about on a daily basis, we are really, really lucky. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me back again. I, I'm super excited to be here. Well, and yeah, so for anybody who's listening in or watching that does not know, Taylor was on the show. And Taylor, I have to ask you this again. We. <laughs> Taylor Fisher is how you actually signed up for the interview. You did this last time too, but it's Taylor Jones Photography. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's not a big deal. Give a little bit of context to that and then I'll, I'll yeah. further introduce you. So it's so funny because I actually struggled with that. When my husband and I were dating, he encouraged me. He was like my biggest cheerleader when we were dating to start the photography business. And we had only been dating for six months 
and I didn't want to be presumptuous and make my business name his last name because we weren't engaged or anything. And so Taylor Nicole just didn't flow as well. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do Taylor Jones. And I mean, wouldn't you know, like a year and a half later, he proposed and I thought, well, should we change our business name? But the business at that point had scaled really quickly mm. and he was like, nope, you've got a brand and it just, it, it has to stay Taylor Jones. And it's so funny because one of his um, groomsmen at the wedding had, you know, a few drinks and he was a few sheets to the wind. And he said, Taylor, I, I hope you keep your business name Taylor Jones because Taylor Fisher sounds good, but... It's not as powerful for a business. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> so my my married name is Taylor Fisher. Maiden is Taylor Jones. And I know we're going to get into branding. But once I had developed that brand, I was like, all right, well, that's just that's just what it's going to be. Totally makes sense. Okay. So I, and I love the context. And for anybody listening in, uh, I'll mention as well, Taylor was on the show back in episode, get this, Taylor, 162. Mm-hmm. This is going to be like 560 <laughs> or so. Episode 162 in 2018, so four years ago almost. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. My son couldn't even hold his head up, and now he's four, and it was jumping from couch to couch this morning. Um, Since then, we've had another baby. We have a two-year-old. My husband quit his corporate job, and um, I mean, so many things have happened. It's just, it's crazy how fast time goes. It makes me want to puke thinking that that was four years ago. (laughs) I know. I, I don't feel old usually, but when, when I think about the fact that my kids are, my, my son is 20 and then my daughter is 16. So my son's a sophomore in college. My daughter is a junior in high school. Uh, right now we're working on getting that driver's license. So we're practicing driving. Oh and, um, but it's, it's crazy to think back. And I was just sharing uh, with somebody last night, a couple of pictures of the kids when they were six and three. And, um, Oh, it like it just tears me up to, to think back to that yep. time. And to your point, like how quickly that time passes. And as cliche as it sounds, we really can't take it for granted. We need to kind of maximize and, and truly be present, um, not just for our kids, but just for life in general. Um, it's really important because, man, that time goes so quickly. So, yeah, I, I oh love the gosh. reminder. There's a country song. I haven't listened to it in a decade, probably. But it, um, the lyrics go kids make a daddy feel young and a mommy feel old. And I was like, yup. Like my husband's like, I have more energy than I ever thought. And I'm yeah. like, I need to sleep for 12 hours tonight. And I feel like I'm in my eighties. So <laughs> kids will do that. Well, here's to feeling young as, as long as we can. And uh, Daniel Moyer is chiming in from YouTube. He said, let's Dan! go Taylor. <laughs> he said, you're the greatest. So excited to listen to you today. And thanks for chiming in, Daniel. I really appreciate that. Dan's and, awesome. Well, and for everybody who's live streaming, we have a number on with us already. And don't be shy, jump in, comment, say hello, and then certainly ask questions as we get into the topic. And Taylor, I I know that we got into some of this the last time you're on the show, but it's been so long. I want to kind of go back and ask you some of these introductory questions. And the first starts with brand position, this topic of brand position. What is the value proposition that your photography business brings to your local market? Right. I love this question and I always struggle with answering it because it's just it's so finite and like trying to bring your business into like a few sentences. But my, my husband and I are a um, photography team in Colorado. And I think Nathan, what makes us stand out more than anything is we prioritize our relationship with our couples and the trust that we build with them above all else. Um, we know that we're going to create great images. And so we work 
exceptionally hard to build that trust with them uh, before they ever even contact us and then through the entire process and then for years after that. Um, we really focus on weddings in the Colorado Rocky Mountains, outdoor, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but this year we are going to shoot our 400th wedding, which Whoa. is mind blowing. Yeah, it's mind blowing to me. <laughs> but I'm so outrageously proud of that mm. because I mean, that's just that's just a milestone that I never thought that I would see. But um, you know, I mean, a lot of our couples they come to our home for mm. for their sessions. We live in the Rocky Mountains and we offer sessions here. Um, we get to watch them have kids. We get to watch their families grow, get puppies. They come and camp on our property. I look forward to Christmas cards every year. I just took them down yesterday uh, because <laughs> like I we. We had like hundreds up and I just would not get rid of them. But I also have a coaching business for photographers and transparency and trust is the above all else. What is the most important thing for me and mm. how I run my business? Yeah, which especially these days when there are so many so-called educators and online courses and that kind of thing in our industry, that's super, super important because I know a lot of photographers have gotten burned in the process of trying yeah. to find those courses and kind of buying into this and that. And so, yeah, that's huge. Going back to your photography business though, for anybody who is not live streaming, I had this pulled up Taylor Jones photography. And by the way, it's the same thing on Instagram, Taylor Jones photography on Instagram. There you go. There it loaded. Um, and of course we'll link to these in the show notes, bocapodcast.com, but make sure that you go follow Taylor. And then you can also check out her website there as well. And you know, you talked about experience, and it, mm -hmm. it's really a great segue, I guess, to my next question, which is about customer experience. And you talked about trust and maybe this is your answer, but is that kind of yep. the driving <laughs> principle behind the customer experience that you provide for your clients? Yeah. Um, trust, uh, trust, trust, trust above all else. Um, there's two quotes that I, I'm, I'm a quote person. I like live by quotes. I have quotes. <laughs> I make, I like made my own Yeti for my students that I coach and for our couples this year. And they have just quotes on them that I just want to really hit home for them. Um, but one of them is by, um, it's from Seth Godin, earn trust, earn trust, earn trust. Then you can worry about the rest. Mm. Um, that one to me is so powerful because that's how every business should be run. Um, I know that there are people with coaching who get burned, with couples who get burned from their wedding photographer, and it's just there's just that lack of trust. Um, the other quote is is from Zig Ziglar: "If people like you, they'll listen to you; but if they trust you, they'll do business with you." Mm. So if like if if I were talking to a new photographer who wanted to know like how do I one scale my business and make more money? And two, how do I transition in doing this full time? I would say show up, do everything you can to build trust with your audience and with your people before they ever even contact you. I mean, that starts on your website. It's weaved in through your social media, how you present yourself, um, how you follow through, how you treat people. Trust is just, it's the, it's the pillar of our, of our photography business for sure. Hands down. When you talk about that, that phrase, you say show up and I thinking about, I think about showing up consistently people, mm -hmm. there's a sense of reliability that's created through somebody being the, a particular thing, whatever that thing is consistently and, and actually showing up in that way consistently. And that really does go a long way because, you know, in, in 2022, a lot of people, not necessarily in the photography industry, just in general, kind of feel burned. They're apprehensive. They're not sure what they're getting into. And you already do a really wonderful job of creating a warm environment and conversation. So I'm sure that that starts things off really, really well. But then for you to then continue to show up that way 
and to create that sense of warmth and connection throughout the experience, I think is huge. I want to ask you about something, though, because a lot of photographers lead with this notion of relationships or the significance of relationships. But it kind of makes me wonder, um, I guess, the depth of that commentary. Yeah. What does that actually mm-hmm. mean? It, it, if everybody's talking about, or so many people are talking about the significance of relationships, it doesn't really differentiate one business to another. So how, how, does, how do you feel that looks different in your business? How are you taking those relationships to the next level or, or going even deeper with your clients? Right. So the, I feel like the, the first step is the experience that you offer, like how you show up on your social media, like we said, being consistent, um, how you lay out your website. I One of the biggest pieces of advice and one of my biggest pet peeves is when people don't showcase their prices. That is the number one way to build trust with your people. It shows, Agreed. one, I'm saving you time and energy. Yeah. Two, I value my own time and energy. And three, I just want you to have all the information so you can make the best decision for yourself. And so, and then obviously, you know, showing up early to a wedding, staying late if you have to by even five minutes, over under promising and over delivering. There's all these things that you can do while they're working with you, but the real beautiful, I guess, progression of the relationship happens after. How you deliver the images, how you over, over deliver. Um, not just the number of images, but honestly, Nathan, <laughs> Photographer's Edit has allowed me to deliver my images five shout weeks out. earlier. Yeah, shout out. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna name drop y'all a ton today. <laughs> Thank you. But, um, but, but seriously, you guys have allowed me, I tell our couples eight weeks and I deliver them in three weeks. And so that's me under promising and over delivering. And so how you show up afterwards is really important. And I give all of our couples a discount if they want family photos, if they want maternity, newborn, they always get a discount. That's part of building trust, right? You're building a community. And then like, for example, one of our couples, um, I just adore them. I just adore the heck out of them. They got married five years ago. And her dog, um, the bride, her or their her her best friend in the whole world, her dog. They just found out she has cancer, and I messaged her and said, "How is Sarah? How like how are you guys? And when can we get family photos done for you? Because I know this is a precious time for you." And mm. so, like, but that's just part of my personality. It has to be authentic, and yeah. I, I I know the word authentic. It's thrown around so haphazardly of what people think authenticity looks like. Yeah. But all it is, is being whoever you are, like your true self. And me, like all my couples have my cell phone number. I text them on their birthdays. I ask them how labor and delivery went when they have babies. Um, Sometimes I'm the first to know that they're even pregnant. I mean, there's just this really beautiful bond that makes my work so much more impactful and rewarding, like my career so much more rewarding when I put in the effort to um, to keep those relationships really strong with our couple long after we've worked with them. I mean, we still have couples we're in touch with from 10, 12 years ago. Wow. Yeah, authenticity, interesting. Being yourself, and we were talking about the idea of consistency, so being yourself consistently, and it I kind of begs the question, right? In 2022, I know that, say, in 1950, for example, there was a certain formality to business that was kind of standard. And so you right. you naturally were like a particular way in business and maybe a different way at home, for example. Mm-hmm. That's no longer the case. So no. if we talk about authenticity, consistent, consistency in the way that we engage with other people, that is a, I think that's a really great indication of authenticity. And you're right. That word keeps getting thrown around so much and I'm a little annoyed by it, frankly, but I, (laughs) well, because I I guess it's, it's been watered down in many ways. And then Mm -hmm. I think part of what bothers me is people talk about 
authenticity, but the reality is they yes. are actually showing up in different ways. It's like one version of the person here, another version of the person there. And in 2022, the way that people expect to engage with people or to engage with um, photographers, I, there's really little reason for us to be one version here and another version here. We can be, right. as you're saying, be ourselves um, and, and sure, bring some professionalism to it, but we don't have to, people know when you're putting on a front um, and that yep. immediately creates distrust. It's a question mark, a red flag. Oh, wait a minute. This seems kind of like a, they've been putting something on here. And what does that mean? Like, am I getting the real version? And what is that going to mean down the road? Just being the same, right. consistently showing up ourselves. I think that's a really, really great way to frame the notion of authenticity. That's beautiful. It's like blood in the water. If, if you show up untrue to yourself, your values, your morals, like what's important to you, or if you're trying to just mimic what somebody else is doing, Ooh, people feel that they, they, they can feel it and they will run from the hills or they'll work with somebody that they don't feel comfortable with. Um, and honestly, Nathan, even whenever I'm on a call with a couple, that initial call, if they tell me that they're looking at other photographers, I'm like, great, you should, there's a lot of us out there and hire the one that makes you feel the best mm. hire the person that makes you feel, um, comfortable. Cause it's a very intimate job we have as photographers. Um, we experience things that a lot of people don't, yeah. um, for better or worse, you know, like family, family, um, loss, family trauma, literally like brides taking their clothes off in the dressing room. Like we are there like for everything. And so people puking um, on the dance floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell you the number of times I've held somebody's hair back for them, but, yeah. but it's just, it's, it's such an intimate role that we get to play. And if you show up as Anybody other than yourself, again, it's like blood in the water. People people can sense that. And I'll go back to something you said just very quickly because I don't want to park here too long, but the, the importance of putting prices out there to get from the get-go. Oh and if for no other reason than just to make people's lives easy, I still get frustrated as a business owner having been in the photography industry for 20 years and then, of course, interacted with companies for at least as long. When, I, when I'm going to look at a service for the sake of my companies and mm -hmm. I have to go searching for pricing and then instead of, and I click on the pricing page, I get to the pricing page and now I have to click here to schedule a phone call or schedule a consultation to get more information, mm -hmm. immediately red flags go up, right? Which is, right. I'm now going to get sold to. And then to your point, like when it comes to trust, if, if now I'm questioning why it is they're doing what they're doing and what version I'm going to get when I get on the phone versus maybe what they're getting, giving somebody mm -hmm. else, that immediately creates a sense of distrust. So yeah, I don't, I don't know why at this point anybody is not putting their prices out there. Um, I think that's a really great recommendation. Right. It's, it was, it was number one, whenever we first started, um, we'll be that this is my 10th year shooting full time. Um, and it was like the, the number one thing that we did. And I'm so glad that we did because I can't tell you, Nathan, the number of, of couples who were like, thank you. Thank you for just being transparent about what your prices were, because then Nathan, it puts the power in their hands to make a decision, not me guilting them into not fitting into like me not fitting into their budget. It shouldn't be a guilt trip. Like they should feel good about it and they should feel empowered by it. And it's, I was actually just messaging with Dan about this on Instagram because I, um, whenever I moved into the coaching world, the whole, every coach that I've worked with and seen does not put their prices on their website. And for a whole freaking year, I fell into that trap and I thought, well, if everybody else is doing it, I guess that's the way it's supposed to go. Maybe I'm missing something. And I started to ignore that, that inner voice that was like, Taylor, this does not align with you. And 
I literally started vomiting after these calls that I was having with um, potential photographers because my body was like, this is not good. Oh, wow. And so... Yeah, my husband was like, Taylor, we've had the prices for photography on our website for 10 years and never once has it bit us in the butt. And I was like, okay. And so actually just two days ago, I added my coaching prices to the website. And I was like, I don't care if everybody else is not doing it this way. This is what feels better for me. And honestly, like you going to what you said about saving the couple time, you're saving yourself time. I've got two kids. I'm running two businesses. My husband's running his own business. We have an Airbnb. We're traveling. I don't have time or a thick enough skin to reach out to everybody, giving them our prices and to not hear from them. And that's going to happen, but it's saved. It saved me thousands of hours of work. I have no doubt by just putting them out there. And I know that the couples that reach out are ready to book. It's just, it's, it's made me way more confident than I would have been otherwise. Well, again, great recommendation for everybody listening in and go to your site right now. If, if you don't have those prices mm-hmm. out there, make your life simple, make the lives of others simple, simpler by just putting that information out there. Daniel chimed in again. He said, I love how others focused you are and how you blur that line between what the typical business relationship looks like. Um, thanks again, Daniel, for chiming in. And then Andres thanks, is saying hello from Texas. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Andre, uh, Andres. And and for those, the rest of you that are live streaming with us, don't be shy. Say hello. Where are you comment, from? Ask questions. Yeah, let us know where you're watching from or listening from. Would love to have you join the conversation. Taylor, going to the next question, you've alluded to your family, and I'm curious uh, what key principle has enabled you not to find some perfect version of a balance, but some type of balance in your life between managing your business and also making time for yourself and for the important people in your life, your family or otherwise. What's that kind of key idea for you? Right. So um, I just launched my own podcast and I just did a uh, an, an episode about how we have these life anchors, my, my, my husband and I, and they're kind of um, these umbrella Uh, rules and guidelines that we make all decisions by. And so with business and life, one of our rules, one of our anchors and principles um, that we filter all of our decisions through is live our retirement now. And what does that look like as an entrepreneur? Because like we, we're just weird people. Entrepreneurs are weird. Like we would rather work 80 hours a week for ourselves than 40 hours a week for somebody else. And so once I stopped thinking that there was this elusive finish line to success and I was free to live my retirement now, um, it, I, it just, it gave me so much more freedom. And so, um, as far as like managing time and business, trust me, I could work a hundred hours a week and still have stuff to do, but that's not, that's not serving anybody. Like there, there's always going to be another financial goal. There's always going to be another sale, another wedding, more to book. It, it literally never ends. And so once we adopted this, like Mike and I were talking, my, my husband, and he said, how would life look when we retire? And I was like, well, I'd probably sleep in more, but I already sleep in and I'd probably get up early, but I already get up at 4.30 and (laughs) we'd probably travel more, but we're already traveling six months out of the year. And and I was doing some research on retirement for millennials. And the number one reason that people want to retire early is to spend more time with family. And I was like, well, we're freaking entrepreneurs. We make our own schedule. I can go spend time with my family today, like my kids and my 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 mom who lives on the other side of the country and friends. Like living your retirement life now is I feel like a really great way to approach business because there's always going to be something. It it never ends. Well, and, and just 
I, I guess reframing our lives in that light is, is really, it's a fascinating concept actually. Right. Uh, we were just talking <laughs> on a po- podcast episode earlier this week about Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. And yes, he, I know a lot of people have written that book off under the guise that, Oh, it's too extreme. And you know, what are you talking about? Four hours? Like that's not feasible. But what he's actually getting at is not literally you should only work four hours a week. It's, it's a mentality that you're very much representing here, Taylor, which is what is the life that I want? And I'm going to be mm-hmm. super intentional in creating that lifestyle within this kind of not, not even the confounds, because that sounds negative, but the structure, which is I have a business, uh, but I also have a family and here's the life that I'm mm-hmm. trying to achieve. So how do I go about doing that? And when we set that kind of intentionality that we can go create it, if we, if we aren't intentional, you mentioned the significance of principles. And we talk about that quite a bit here on the, on the show if we're not leading with principles, we don't know what we're trying to achieve, what we're trying to live out yeah. in life, then yeah, we're just going to kind of haphazardly go about life and we're naturally going to work 80, 100 hours a week or whatever it might be. If we're trying to achieve something very specific, that naturally creates a filter through which we make our decisions about how we're spending our time. And yep. now we can create that lifestyle and it may not come immediately. It may take a little bit to build to that, but I love the intentionality behind what, what you're suggesting. I think it's super powerful. Thanks. Well, and I, I know we're going to get into this about outsourcing, but holy cannoli. I mean, you can have a four hour work week if you hire a team of people that you trust to do all of the smaller tasks that you don't have the patience or time or are not good enough for. And so are not good mm-hmm. enough, but you're not good at, I am not good at taxes. I will be the first to admit that. <laughs> and <Me too. laughs> while my, yeah. So while all my friends are like, Oh my gosh, tax season. I'm like, when's that, when does that happen? Because it's just, it's so far removed from my mind. Um, but again, a part of that living my best retirement life now, cause I'm probably never going to retire. And most entrepreneurs won't retire because we love working. We love creating, um, especially photographers. I, I just, there's just this fire inside of us that we're not going to be like, I'm just done. I'm, I'm done doing anything ever. We we're, we're just way too passionate for that. Well, but I like that distinction that you made between, um, living a so-called retirement life and somebody might come along and be like, what are you just checking out and being lazy? That's not what it's about. Cause like you said, it's, <laughs> it's not that you don't enjoy working, It's more a question of how do I want to spend my time? What does that actually look like? How much time do I want to allocate my week to work and then to family and to this thing and to that thing? And we have the ability to be flexible. And like you're saying, leveraging, whether it's an individual who works for you in-house or a third-party company or otherwise, we have those tools available to us if we want to make those decisions, set our prices that that enable us to be able to make those decisions. I think it's important. Um, you've been super kind already and, and giving photographers at it a shout out. I certainly hadn't planned on that today, but let's actually oh, use this. Oh, it's coming again. There's another plug <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, let's actually use this as a segue to talk just briefly about that. Um, the idea of delegation and, and mm-hmm. certainly feel free to comment on that. This as it relates to editing, but the thing that I've been most fascinated about around delegation for the last, let's say year, even more, um, because I've been, I've, I've dealt with a learning curve in that regard as our team has grown and I'm trying to do a better job of managing a team. I feel like I need to continue to refine my communication process. So I'd love for you to comment yes. on the idea of delegation and how you've learned to better communicate, whether it's with photographers at it or anybody else for any other reason, um, in this process of delegation. Right. So Delegating and outsourcing were very intimidating words. And I think for a lot of photographers early on, it feels like you're letting go of a child and just praying that they don't crash on the road or get like their heart broken. And so it was really challenging, but 
I have finally learned that I can be the best, most energetic and like world changing version of myself when I have a team. And there, like I said before, there are people who are way more capable than I am at doing things such as taxes. I'm not good at taxes. And I am woman enough to admit that I am not good at taxes. I am like, there are just things that I am not good at. And so, um, if you're, I feel like whenever we all start our photography business, we have this romanticized vision. And I know I certainly did. Cause Mike, when we were dating would say, um, what's your idea of a dream day? And I was like sitting at my computer and editing all day. <laughs> and that changed quick, but we all have this romanticized version of our idea of what running a business would like look like. And then we get into it and you're wearing 17 hats and you realize I'm only shooting 10% of the time. And so getting back to that romanticized version, you can have that. You can absolutely have that. You just have to let go of some stuff. And so I'll be honest, um, photographer's edit was like my gateway drug to outsourcing. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I told the story the last time we were on the podcast, like I feel so bad for the sweet gal who answered the call when I called y'all because I was crying from a Starbucks. If I think it was, it was 2014 or 2015, I had 12 weddings lined up that I didn't even touch, that I just could not get to. 12 weddings in my queue, and I had another 10 weddings, oh, I think, wow. within like a within like a four-week period. And I called her crying, and I was like, I can't do this. I'm going <laughs> to fail in business. And she was like, it's okay. Send us send us anything you yeah. want, and we will... We'll, and like I hadn't even uploaded sample photos. I was like, here you go. Here's everything. <laughs> but once I got that taste of what it felt like to have a team supporting me, Oh my gosh, everything changed. And I, I, I love to use this analogy, Nathan. Um, when you go to a doctor's office, there's doctors, there's nurses, there's um, billing, there's assistants, there's a, a, the, a housekeeper, or janitor, there's somebody who, there's a job for every person. Mm -hmm. And could you even imagine if the doctor had to do all that? There'd be so many dead people because there's just <laughs> too, there's too much real estate going out. Yeah. Like you, you can't focus on what the most important thing is. And so for photographers, for me, the most important thing was building relationships, building trust, and creating beautiful work that I am so proud of. And if I can focus on three those three things and everything else is taken care of, oh my gosh, I can do amazing things like shoot 40, 50 weddings a year. Or like, I mean, it just, it gave me so much more space. And so um, since we've last talked, since since like, you know, Photographer's Edit came into my life, um, I have hired a virtual assistant, a podcast producer. I'm currently hiring a wedding day assistant um, to like, work with me and help me like not shooting, but somebody to actually do what normally I feel like a bridesmaid gets put in charge to do. We've hired an accountant, a housekeeper, and I've hired two business coaches. And that doesn't even include like all of the CRM programs that I've subscribed to. I don't know if you've ever read Effortless. Um, I haven't. By, oh, it's by Greg, Greg McEwen. Have yeah. you read um, Essentialism? I haven't. My friend Sean talks about it quite a bit. I haven't personally read it yet, but I may oh, even have it so and I just haven't read it. <laughs> it's so good. But he wrote Effortless and that book, I just finished it two weeks ago, has changed my life. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is in your business and life, eliminating human error. And so I've bought every CRM program you can possibly imagine to eliminate that human error um, so that I can focus on creating and again, spending time on, on nurturing relationships and not just 
like, oh, I got to send out this invoice or I got to send out this email or this welcome guide um, or I've, I've got to post on social media. Like it's just when you have a team, it makes everything so different. And I totally agree with you that learning um, how to be a leader, there's definitely a, a learning curve. And thank God my um, my assistant, Brianna, I love her to pieces. And when we first started working together, she would tell me, Taylor, I'm very unclear on who you're speaking to. Cause I was transitioning like wow. my social media from just like just couples. Like I was very clear on who my couples were, yeah. but I was moving into the coaching world. And so what moved like changing my social media platform felt bizarre and really uncomfortable. But she was like, I, I'm not sure what you want me to do or who I'm speaking to. And so she has really challenged me to become a better leader and become clear on what I actually need. And that's really hard, especially I think for, for women to tell other women what we need, like what I need to feel supported, what needs taken off my shoulders. And I think as long as you can communicate Nathan, like this, this overarching goal and what your needs are, and then give them the freedom to, to, to run with that, like no micromanaging. I don't have time for that. And they don't mm. have time for that. That's, that doesn't build trust. Um, but when I say this is my overarching goal for the year, here are my needs run with it. Then I feel like that, at least I think makes a better leader, um, being clear on what the expectations are, but not micromanaging. No, that's a hundred percent it. And honestly, that was kind of a hard lesson that I had to learn too in working with my mm -hmm. team. Again, even in the last photographer's edit's been around for fourteen years or so now. And that's crazy. Isn't that wild? Well, and but thanks in large <laughs> part to to clients like yourself. But there's there's a I just had to learn kind of the hard way, even in the last year and a half, two years, where I was falling short in that communication process, and a lot of it was about clarity, to your point. There's mm -hmm. this kind of weird, assumptive behavior, I guess, that we have maybe, I don't know if it's a photographer thing, but where we're just, we kind of assume that the other person's able to kind of read into what we're saying and then read our mind, ultimately. And of course, that's right. a crazy way to approach things, but that's just what we tend to do. And we just can't afford to do that. We have to be clear. And what I tell my team now is we need to make sure that we're communicating when we talk about, for example, how we communicate with our clients, the expectation mm -hmm. management process is that we need to talk to somebody like we're talking to a, like a third grader or a sixth grader. And yeah. it's not because they're not intelligent, but there's this funny thing about communication that despite what the words mean in a dictionary, people don't necessarily use the words that way. And so when somebody says a sentence or a phrase and uses particular words, it can mean one thing to that person and another thing to another person yep. and another thing to another person. So we have to communicate, learn how to communicate extremely clearly. And then to your point, and really on a, on a baseline level, we have to be clear about what it is we're trying to achieve. And I think a lot of the, the frustration that photographers experience in delegating, whether it's editing or otherwise, comes mm -hmm. from not being clear about what they want, um, A, right. Or B, not knowing how to communicate what it is that they want. And you're right. Like a lot of times people have an apprehension about, for example, if they get an order back, giving us feedback. And, and I literally beg photographers, please give us feedback because we only get better. We can only refine this if you let us know. Um, but right. photog photographers will say, oh, I, I feel bad, you know, sending any kind of negative feedback. I'm like, no, no, no. We want to hear that because we get better for it. It's a better experience for you as a result. So you make some really important points. And I have to go back to, I think, one of the best analogies thus far, 500 plus episodes. <laughs> we don't talk a ton about photographers edit, but whenever editing comes up, I think this analogy of, and the comparison to a doctor is really interesting because the excuses that photographers make about not outsourcing their editing have to do with, um, well, for example, you were talking about giving up their baby, right? So 
If a doctor came along and said, um, I'm a terrible doctor because I didn't also handle the billing, people would think that the doctor right. was crazy. But right. when it comes to a photographer, somehow they're able to make that that argument. You know, somebody could say, well, I'm, yeah. because I'm not doing this, I'm not being authentic or I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, they're only getting a half version of me or it doesn't feel totally honest. Or maybe somebody would say, because I'm delegating, it feels lazy. But nobody's criticizing a doctor who has a team of people around them that is enabling him to provide this service. And right. so I, I think we need to just take a step back, look at the logically, objectively, look at the bigger picture. And I think that's a really great way to look at it. That's great. I think one of the easiest ways for that I reframed it was telling my couples, you have a whole team behind you and it doesn't cost you extra. Yeah. You have a whole team of people supporting you. And they were like, oh, really? And so you have to reframe it. And um, oh my gosh, you said something that sparked something and now it's gone from my brain. But that's sure, my fault oh, for talking so, too long. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're still, please. I can like talk without breathing for three straight minutes. Um, one of the things that you, you, you touched on authenticity and part of it is I think relinquishing that control. And I had one student who did not want to outsource and I was like, dude, do it. Just try. And I told her to get in touch with you guys. And she did. She got her first images back and she was like, I'm not sure. They're not what I would have done. And I said, well, then tell them. And so she told you guys. Yeah. She, I was on the phone with her um, like the next day and she texted me. We had got off the phone and she texted me and said, I just started crying. They're perfect. They're amazing. I'm going to go eat lunch instead of editing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's like, it's the basic stuff. Like I get to eat lunch instead of editing. And I think I emailed Tanya about this this summer uh, or Tanya or Tanya. Tanya, um, shout out to Tanya. Tanya. She's, she's been with the company since the <laughs> beginning. Um, yeah. So I yeah. have to give a shout out to her. That's awesome. She's, she's great. And I had sent her an email this summer and I was like, I know you guys don't need a marketing plan, but every time I send you guys a wedding, I feel like I have to let you know what I'm doing instead of editing. And so I was like, so today I'm going on a ski lift ride with my three at the time, three-year-old in Crested Butte, Colorado, while we're on vacation, because I have time to, and because I want to, like, we literally just rode the ski lift up and down and up and down and up and down. And he was happy as a clam. But every time that I send you guys a wedding and outsource something, I am very intentional that I don't fill that time. I make sure actually, there was one year that I committed to sending photographers at every wedding that I shot that year. And I would send them on Tuesday mornings because they were due by Tuesday at three. And I would go mountain biking every Tuesday. As soon as I sent you guys that link, I would go mountain biking. And it was just a way for me to prove to myself that I have this time now. Because again, entrepreneurs, we will fill that time with more stuff that is not very important. Um, but I was like, hey, Tanya, I have a marketing idea. Fill in the blank. <laughs> what did you do today? And like I did blank instead of editing today. And so you you guys have just given so many people that I know their lives back, their family time back, their health back. I mean, it's I just love it. Thank you for doing what you do. Oh, no, that was super generous. And, and I, I always have to add this caveat for our listeners. That was not planned whatsoever, I swear. <laughs> Taylor's just super generous, so thank you. They very did much. not but, ask for a plug. <laughs> not at all, no. not at all. No, that's super generous of you. I, I really, truly appreciate that. Let me ask ask you one or two more questions here, and we're going to get to the topic at hand. Yeah. Of course, talking about building a brand or refining our brand for the sake of increasing revenue. 
Um, you mentioned a couple of books already, and I actually pulled this up on screen while you were talking about it. Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit mm -hmm. of Less by Greg McEwen, as you mentioned, and then Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. Yeah, honest. I mean, I was already interested in essentialism, and I think I even bought it. I haven't read it yet. Effortless sounds even more interesting to me, and I may have to grab a copy of that. Um, but It changed my life. Changed my life. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm super compelled. Are, are there any other books that you want to add to that list of recommendations <gasps> yes. to our listeners? Okay, please. So in just, just recently, um, Chillpreneur, um, it's by, uh, Denise Duffield. I think it's Thomas is her last name. Denise Duffield Thomas. Um, she wrote get rich, lucky bitch, which was a game changing book for me because okay. it talks about our, our issues with, with money and money blocks and, um, but Chillpreneur, she writes so elegantly and beautifully about what it's like to be a chilled out entrepreneur and how to price yourself and how to be confident in your pricing and how to handle conflict. And, um, she just, she gives really compelling statistics when she writes a book, like she does her research. She's not just speaking from personal experience. And she talked about the 1% rule that 1% of your, of your, um, clients are not going to be happy or they're going to ask for a refund or no matter what you did, you're not going to make them happy. And so she was like, mentally prepare for that. Prepare for 1% of your clients to not be happy. And now that you know that that's going to happen, great, move on with your life. Like still be yourself. You're not like, don't cater to everybody. Um, so yeah, effortless and chillpreneur changed my life uh, in this exact month. Well, and, and I just pulled this up on screen, but I'll do it one more time. So Chillpreneur, the new rules for creating success, freedom, and abundance on your terms. That's Denise Duffield-Thomas. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And then Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. I don't think I'd heard of that one before. Uh, oh, my gosh. Don't be turned off by the title. It was a oh, life-changing book as well. Yeah. Release Your Money Blocks and Live a First Class Life. Um, same author. So we'll link to those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. For everybody listening in, one more question, Taylor, I promise, and we're going to get to the topic. Yeah, you're fine. Um, we actually had one come in from Allison, who is streaming with us on, on YouTube. And this is kind of an aside. I know it's a whole topic in and of itself, but maybe you can just share one or two tips, yeah. suggestions around this concept of starting pricing. Allison was asking, what are your thoughts on starting pricing? So Allison, I would ask you, and if you can comment in the chat, what's your reason for that? Because if you're gonna do a starting price, just let everybody know what to expect. Just just let them know what's included. I don't know if, if Nathan can go to our pricing page, but it is broken down from the, the, the highest price to um, to the lowest, and it's on the investment page, and it, it shows exactly what's included. Now, I have heard photographers say, well, I just wanna get on a call with them, and I just wanna like, share my value, no. They have a budget and you're either going to fit into their budget or you're not. And budgets are not a bad thing. Um, I think people hear the word budget and they're like, ooh, it's bad. It's, it's not a bad thing to have a budget. It's great to have healthy boundaries on what you're willing to spend on your, on your wedding. But getting on a call with them and trying to convince them that you should magically fit into their budget is not going to build trust and getting on a call with them and trying to get them to upgrade to a higher package that they may or may not need is not building trust. And so I just don't see any point in starting at prices. Um, I think they're, I think it's like, 
it's, it's, a, it's a way of avoiding committing to one or the other, of not mm. having prices or just sharing your prices. And I will tell you, Allison, I would almost put money on, I would put money on that your booking rate would go up significantly once your prices are on the website. Because um, you're, you're only going to hear from people who are like, got all the information I need, where do I sign? Yeah. And it yeah. was amazing. Um, it's just been an amazing transformation seeing other photographers that I coach when they do that. They get quality leads who are like, yes, I know everything I need to know. Where do I sign? There's no back and forth. There's no, it's just, it just eliminates so much of that distrust and paranoia that they're going to get taken advantage of. Oh, I love that. And I'm going to actually pop your, your website back up here just for a second for anybody looking at adding pricing to their site, or if you've got it and you're quite not quite sure how to actually present it. This is so easy to look at, to read. You're clear about the price point, what's included. Um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of text is thrown onto a photographer's website and it, it's kind of jumbled, oh, it not, not laid out very well. This is so, so easy to look at and follow. So for anybody listening in Taylor Jones photography, go to the investment page and use this as a point of reference. And to Taylor's point at the very top of the page, it, it says transparency and that's what she's leading with. And I think that is a good indication of kind of how we should think about pricing to begin with. And, uh, Allison, and if you, if you, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Allison chimed in and said, thank you. So yeah, I really appreciate your yeah. commentary on that. Finish what you were, you were saying though. If you scroll down a little bit on that page, it says this, this package right there, this package is perfect for the couple who blankety blank. Like we're, we're sharing our expertise by saying, Hey, most people who book this package, this is what their values are. And this package is designed for the couple who blankety blank. Um, so we, we, we kind of guide our couples to start thinking like, well, yeah, I, I would love full day coverage. I don't want to have to think about this. Or for the couples who are like, we're already pushing our budget, but we really want them there. Um, this is perfect because we still get the highlight reel. And so I think you, you want to educate your couples on why your price, how you are. You don't have to defend it, but you want to educate them why you are the expert, the best person for them, and kind of lead them towards um, where you want them to to, to book essentially. Perfect. Yeah. And Allison says, I see, love that. And, um, Allison, thanks for asking questions. And, uh, we have even yeah. more people streaming with us right now. So please don't hesitate to jump in as we're getting into this topic about refining our brand and brand experience. Don't hesitate to jump in, ask questions, comment, love the engagement today. And so with that, Taylor, let me jump to this conversation about brand and brand is a topic that again, like other things we've discussed today, it kind of gets thrown around a little bit. And, um, I, I, I'm excited. I'm looking forward because I can already tell you're a very practical teacher. Um, so I know that we're going to walk away with some really great practical application here. But give us a little bit of context um, around this topic of brand and the significance of brand. What was the turning point for you in your business where you're like, ah, like the light bulb comes on. You realize you got to throw down when it comes to your brand and brand experience. What was that moment? Right. So there were two, Nathan, and I think the first time that, that we talked, I shared about, um, <laughs> excuse me, when I first started my business, I had shot a couple of my cousin's weddings and a few of the kids that I nannied at the time playing in dirt. So like my portfolio was lackluster at best. But when I met my husband, he's actually a designer hmm. and he said, give me, give me your top favorite 15 photos. 
I'm going to build, I'm going to build you a brand out of this. And so whenever we started building our brand, we literally went to the mountains. I quit my corporate job. Mike had the car packed and we drove to Telluride, Colorado. And that's where we designed the, the brand and the brand experience. And I was like, well, I want to work with couples in nature and only in the mountains. And I don't want to do, I really don't want to work in the city. Um, my logo, I need it to feel this way. I, I, I want people to feel like they're welcome here. I, I want them to be aware that we're going to be BFFs for the rest of their life. This isn't just like a shoot and burn and leave kind of thing. Right. Like we're, we're building this, this family together. And so that was the first time because again, I had a pretty lackluster portfolio and we booked 25 weddings our first year in business and my head exploded. And I knew it was because of the brand experience that we offered very quickly from just going to our website. I knew people could tell who we were, what we were about, where we stood and within 10 seconds of being on our website. So that, that was the first, the second was really wild. Um, it was during the 2020 pandemic, Nathan. And we, whenever we heard about the shutdown, Mike and I sat down, we're both entrepreneurs at this point. He had quit his corporate job the, the, you know, like nine months before. Um, so we sat down and we went, okay, we're not making money this year. This is going to be a really rough year. They're, they're canceling weddings. We had a very real candid conversation of, are we financially prepared? And, and at that point we had prepared for our worst, which was one of us getting ill, like a terminal illness, um, having a rough pregnancy or something and having to like, not rough pregnancy, but you know, lose, we just prepared for our own worst financially. And then this pandemic hit, we were like, well, that wasn't on the books, but it's happening. And here we are. Yeah. So we were, we were prepared for no income, but that year we made our highest amount of income. We made $180,000 that year in our business. Wow. And this was a year where we were like, buckle down. We're not, we're not making any money this year. So we learned very quickly that we had done something right in a very real way. And we weren't, I, I, I knew it was because of the experience that we had offered people, because I'll be honest during a time when people were like, not knowing where their jobs were. We still had couples coming to us. They would drive three hours one way to where we lived to do a family shoot with us. And I did a donation-based uh, mini session for, for Mother's Day, and it filled up within about 10 minutes. Uh, every spot was booked. I ended up, um, I don't remember if I offered a second day at that point, but at that point I was like, well, we have a lot of friends who are giving money back, a lot of friends who are losing money, and at the and when they were experiencing that, our couples were calling us saying, "Hey, when's your next available date? Like, we don't need a refund. We just need to know when you're free, and we'll work with you." Or we had couples. We had one couple that ended up just canceling everything, their wedding and everything. Um, and they told us to keep the deposit. They they were like, "Just keep it. One day we'll do family photos." Um, and then we had another couple who ended up canceling everything and rebooked us eight months later. I mean, me and the bride were on the phone crying whenever they had to cancel. Cause she was like, we don't know what to do. And I was like, it's okay. We're in this together. <laughs> so we were crying on the phone. And then I, I, I felt like I was the first person she called once they booked a new date. And she was like, where do we sign? We'll do it. Like what? And so that was a real turning point for us when we realized our brand and our brand experience that we were offering people was very different from what other people were offering because we had couples literally asking us if they could write checks for us, like without performing. They said, hey, we'll pay the rest of our bill um, or no, or the rest of our invoice. And sh and and you guys, if, if you don't mind shooting in 2021, we'll go ahead and pay everything now. So I just, 
your brand is who you attract. A lot of it is who you attract. And gosh, we attracted the coolest, most sincere, humbling, um, just good people for our brand. And it showed, they really showed up for us and we showed up for, for, for them. I'll, I'll be honest. We didn't raise our prices. We didn't charge penalty fees. If people needed to cancel their wedding, that was okay. But we only had one couple cancel, um, and break contract. And that was out of, uh, 39 weddings. I think we only had one couple cancel. Um, so that, that year was very telling. And that's actually part of the reason that I got into coaching. One, I'm a, I don't know if you've ever taken the Enneagram test, but I'm a diehard too, okay. which is the helper. I am yeah. the helper. So I get so much joy and excitement watching other people succeed and getting to help them. And then after the, the 2020 pandemic, I was like, all right, we really have something that I need to share with the world so that we're putting not putting, but we're helping photographers become really good business owners with mm. really high integrity and values. Because I'm sure you heard the horror stories of people who were like, sorry, sorry, your wedding's canceled. You still owe me money. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like yeah. that'll bite you. That'll bite you. And it's going to come back. But it just well, I think it part gave of me that, so much passion. Well, I think part of that though too is that a lot of people weren't functioning from the same place that you and your husband were and have have been which is mm -hmm. to plan financially for worst case scenario and so there was a sense of desperation there was desperation on the part yeah. of our clients because of everything they were dealing with but then there was desperation in the sense from the standpoint of the photographer because they hadn't really planned or managed their finances real well um or you know whatever may have happened but they were just in a desperate mode as well and that probably led to some of the behavior that we saw which is unfortunate mm -hmm. i think it was a good reminder for everybody to make sure that you do plan for worst case scenario financially um, but I have to say too, though, Taylor, I mean, there is, and I know we're going to get into kind of the nitty gritty here and I, I know this is naturally going over. Are you okay on time still? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really appreciate I'll it. I'll talk all day. Well, so much of what you've shared already <laughs> has just been so practical and, and actionable. And that's my number one goal for this, this podcast. So I really appreciate that. But you know, I, the last time we talked, I guess is, was probably the last podcast. Maybe there was an email or something like that, but in, in chatting with you today, I, I naturally want to spend more time with you. Like I want to, I want to have a drink and, and have more conversation and, and hang out with you Come and your husband. And, yeah. What, but, but what, <laughs> the reason I say this though, is you, your persona, your personality, I think is likely what's at the heart of this experience that, that you are talking about. People mm -hmm. naturally are more accommodating. They're more forgiving they're kinder and interacting with you because that's the, that's the vibe that you create from the get go. And I would imagine that's what you do consistently. And so I know that we can't teach personality, but we can teach right. behavioral patterns for, for sure. And those of us who may label ourselves as this Enneagram or that personality type can still learn how to shift our behavioral patterns and learn something that may fall outside what we would consider a personality. I'm a, you know, I'm an introvert. So how can I offer the experience that Taylor is offering? Um, I, I would argue you don't. That, well, so that, that's interesting to me. So I, I'm, I'm going off, um, my, my outline here, but I'm curious yeah. if, if you, my next question was, why do you say that, that brand experience is the most important component of photography business? Um, and maybe you can get to that, but I'm, I'm even more curious mm -hmm. if, if, if the experience that most of your clients are having is centered around you and your ability to just be super warm and kind. I mean, the number of times already that you've said my name in our conversation 
is like a thousand percent more. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm, I'm serious about this. It, it, you know, it, there's a, there's a book called how to win friends and influence people. Have you ever read that? Yes, I did not. And my husband was shocked to find out that I never read it. He was like, you're living and breathing this book. And I was like, <laughs> I heard of it, but I've never read it. So, well, and you know, we could probably have a whole podcast just talking about like your background and what's led to this version of Taylor. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, in that, in that book, um, he talks about the significance of somebody's name. And most people aren't used to hearing their name called in conversation, even with those that they're close to. And knowing, knowing how good that can feel, I'll, even in conversation with somebody at like checkout line at Walmart, I'll, I'll say, I'll look at their name tag and I'll call them by their name. Yep. And the surprise factor when I, when I say their name, they totally forgot the fact they've got a name tag on. They're not yeah. used to being called by name and it just feels so good, you know, surprise, but ultimately it tends to kind of bring a more warm interaction, even if it's for 30 seconds. Um, so you, you do all these things so well, and I'm just curious how photographers, I, I don't think they need to change their personality or change quote unquote who they are, but I think there's something to this environment that you're creating that photographers can pick up on. And is there not some significance to that specifically? when it comes to building that brand experience? Yeah, part of, I do touch on this once we get into like defining your niche market and how to really develop your brand experience, but there are things that you can teach and I have heard really great things about how to win friends and influence people. And I think that it's really important for your business, but I'm a big woo-woo person, so I'm all about energy and the energy you put out is what you get back. If you're putting out negative energy, you're gonna attract negative people who are very unhappy. if you put out great energy and you're a, you're a genuinely happy person, you don't have to be happy all the time, but if you genuinely look on the bright side of things, you have a, an attitude of gratitude, you're going to attract that. And so when I say that you don't create a business like mine, please don't try to be an extrovert. Don't try, don't force. If you're an introvert, you prefer calm, uh, a, a calm space. You prefer shooting uh, more behind the scenes with, with with a longer focal lens, so that you don't have to be like I love prime lenses because I don't mind getting like this close to people. But if you're <laughs> if, if you prefer to be back, don't try to be something you're not because you're going to attract people who are not like you. Like we we have had bashful couples who say that I make them feel like a million bucks, and we've had bashful couples who are like too much energy and that's okay because i don't want to overwhelm them like if 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 i'm not gonna if if i'm not gonna play a calming presence on their wedding day some people want that high high energy all the couples that we work with prefer my high energy like i do not mind like wrangling their family like cats and making fun of uncle bob in front of everyone like i they they love that but that doesn't mean that you have to be me or it doesn't mean you have to be you know who, whoever it is that your role model is you have to show up as yourself and you're going to attract those people and i think that that's really where your brand experience comes in, your brand experience exudes who you are as a person. And that's how it should be because people will be attracted to that. Okay. Well, so you, you mentioned target market. And so creating that wonderful brand experience, it, it starts with, as you would suggest, finding your niche market, your target market. What are a few steps in that direction for photographers that are listening in or, or watching? Yeah, so for finding your target market, I actually teach this in my um, my course that I do with with um, with other photographers. It's called Launch to Livelihood, and so in my Launch to Livelihood course, we spend we're going to spend an entire month actually on just this four weeks on defining your niche and learning what you're bringing to the table. And so first, you have to know what you bring to the lunch table. And I love the quote. Um, another quote. Um, 
I know what I bring to the lunch table. So trust me when I say I'm not afraid to eat alone. I love that quote because like eating alone, it's, it's so hard because our millennial uh, generation, we want to stand out so badly, but we're also trying to figure out how to fit in at the same time. Like you want to stand out, but not too much. And it's not just millennials. I, it's, it's everybody, but especially as business becomes so personal, we want to stand out, but not too much and don't push the boundaries too far, but you have to know and be really confident in what you do bring to the lunch table. What are your skills? outside of photography. If you know you're gonna be a photographer, great. You already know that your work is good. People already like your work. Fine, that's settled. So what gifts do you have outside of the camera? And one of the things that I tell my students to do is go text your mom. Literally, go text your mom and say, mom, what makes me cool? And your mom's gonna give you a very honest answer about what you bring to the table. Mm. And that should be the first step in your business. the second step is you have to work with what you know. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, just a very quick question. I, I know we're, we're touching on all these different things, but yeah. I'm curious because you, you said, you emphasized earlier that nobody needs to try to be you. Um, and, mm-hmm. and sure, I, I would agree with that. I think, I think where I, the reason I kind of push back a little bit is one, I think this notion of quote unquote who we are is more flexible mm-hmm. than a lot of people acknowledge. Um, and so because of that, while, for example, I don't, necessarily want to as an individual talk as much as another person you talk about being an extrovert and you certainly seem extroverted and as far as your behavior but yes but I, i've met people who talk not only more than than you do but also with you know just like this kind of over the top energy you talk about those experiences you're like okay wait i need like put the brakes on slow down a little bit need just a little breather um i've, I've had those experiences too so i it, this in my mind, I'm not so much thinking about personality types as much as certain behaviors that yeah. that we can learn regardless of how we want to frame ourselves or what yeah. label we want to give ourselves, that there's certain behaviors that, could, that can be learned. And so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm taking notes here in my notebook, but know what you bring to the table is important. Would you, would you add a caveat that maybe also dial in or work on certain elements of that Mm -hmm. just so it can be your your weaknesses. Yeah. So one of the, um, whenever we move into how, how to, um, like once you find your target market, I talk, I talk about that. Um, and so I can touch on it now or I can wait if, if we'll keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, Yeah. Okay. No, no, you're totally fine. We'll we'll go to the second point. I I love this conversation. I do too. Um, You're awesome. So we start with knowing what to bring to the table and then what's that next step when we talk about finding that target market. Yeah. So second is you, you have to work with what you know. You cannot, like we've said, you cannot fake the, the A word authenticity. Um, like if you don't like hiking, if you genuinely hate hiking, but you're offering adventure elopement sessions because you think that's where the money is. Ooh, people are going to know that people are going to feel that you, 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 you have to be true to what you know. If you love horses, and you really want to incorporate horses into your photography business, great. If you haven't been on a freaking horse or even pet one, do not try to incorporate equine <laughs> photography into your business. Like you, you, you have to know what, what you know. If you don't like traveling, do not offer destination weddings. And so that's part of finding your, your niche. It's obviously way more involved than that. But focus on what you know. Um, I offer outdoor photography. I'm not, I I wish I could turn my camera on and show you the 14er that I'm staring at. I'm not going to go summit a 14er with you. I'm sorry. Like that is not something that I want to physically do unless you want to hear me swear like a sailor. Um, (laughs) but, but I will go be in beautiful nature scenery that we can hike like a mile to, but I'm very clear on that. Like I'm, I'm only going to offer what it is that I know and what I'm comfortable with. So that's part of finding your niche market. Um, 
Third, you and this should be a given, but you have to be passionate about it. Um, you are gonna this again. This seems like a no brainer, but going after money only lasts so long. I once had a, um, a ph- photographer ask if I would refer her weddings, and I was like, sure. I mean, if you know, if if they come along, what do you like about weddings? And she, honest to goodness, Nathan, she said, um, I actually hate weddings, but we're in a really bad financial position right now, and I need the money. And I was like, oh, <laughs> girlfriend, I'm not sending That's you sorry. Jack. Like, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, if like, like, like I touched on earlier, you're going to be working sometimes if you want 80 hours a week for years on end, you're going to dream about it. It's going to be all you talk about at parties. You're probably going to add parts of your business to your will. I mean, it has to be something that you're passionate about enough to live and breathe for a very long period of time. And then lastly, one of my students that, that, that I coached her head, like, I think I saw it spin around like 360 when I told her this. Your business has to serve you and your lifestyle, not the other way around. And she was like, wait a minute, my business isn't for other people. And I was like, no. And then, but, but I can see how as photographers, we get caught up and like, well, as long as other people are happy and I'm serving everybody and everybody knows what, then we think that we're successful, but you get to a point where you either hit burnout or you go, yeah, this isn't working for my family anymore. And So those are the four ways that I think really defining your, your, your niche and target market, um, um, where you need to start. And honestly, Nathan, I, I know we were talking about, um, how you can raise your prices. People will pay for somebody who has an expertise and has a niche market. They are happy. You can, you can easily bump up your prices, 25 to 50, hundred percent, whatever you want. If you define your niche and you're very clear on who you serve, um, people will very happily pay your top prices. If you are, if you are, um, photographing what you know, and you're in an experience that you're very comfortable in. So I'm, again, I'm taking notes old school here with a notebook, but the four <laughs> kind of four ideas, um, which really seem to kind of center around the idea of two things, know what we're good at or we like, and then know what we're trying to achieve. Know what you, what you bring to the table. Um, know, I, I put down, know what experience or, or be familiar with ex- what experience you have as a photographer. Mm-hmm. You, know, you talk about, you're not going to get into the equine photography if you don't have experience there. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No. <laughs> um, and then number three was to know what you're passionate about. Um, it's, there is this kind of interesting conversation that needs to be had about the practicality of the marketplace and what it can support. Like we can be passionate about I mean, name any crazy thing. If there's not a market mm-hmm. for it, it doesn't matter what we're passionate about. So there is kind of an interesting balance that has to happen there. But going the direction of what we're passionate about, it does help sustain, especially if it's tied to something that's way bigger than us. It helps us. It yeah. helps create a sense of sustainability in our business um, that will enable us to, to go for the long haul and, and minimize the chance of burnout and then know what we're trying to achieve. I, I think these are really key concepts. So then I guess to the next question and kind of the last big talking point here, once a photographer finds that, that target marketplace, mm-hmm. what are the, the principles, I guess, that are a part of developing that mind blowing brand experience that clients will rave about? Yeah. So I, I, I know I mentioned it earlier, the, the Enneagram test. Oh my gosh. It's just like, I feel like I'm a walking poster child for the Enneagram. Um, but it changed my life. It changed how I viewed myself, how I viewed my shortcomings, how I viewed my strengths. And again, I'm a two. 
And so I love gift giving. I love giving gifts. And that's part of my brand. I worked that into my brand. I send more gifts than I probably should. I send Christmas gifts. I send Christmas cards. I send sign-on gifts. I send gifts after their wedding day. I love gifts and that's part of my personality. And it just, it brings me a lot of joy. Um, I'm very conversational. I am very relational. And so I knew that that had to be an anchor in my business. Now where I fall short, I overextend myself a lot. And so that has been something that I have had to work on in my brand experience to make sure that I'm not um, overextending myself in areas where I'm not actually needed. Um, But even things like I love serving and taking care of people. And on the wedding day, I will go get the bride and groom water and food during cocktail hour and bring it to them. And that's part of their brand experience. And they just like, I, I genuinely enjoy doing it though. So I would highly suggest taking the Enneagram test, finding your strengths, working on your weaknesses, but don't let them get you down. Just go, you know what? I really need to work on this. I really need to be aware of it. And that's, I, I mean, awareness is the first step. And so once you're aware of where you might fall short and where, where business could get hard, um, I actually have all my students take this, the very first class that we have together. And it's fascinating to see what they learn and what direction they take their business in because of what they've learned in this, in this test. Um, the second thing is after learning all this stuff about yourself, what can you commit to? Like if you hate writing handwritten letters, then don't try to make that part of your business. Um, I love writing handwritten letters. So my couples get a handwritten thank you letter after, after their wedding. Focus on what you're good at and utilize that to your highest potential. That's the second part. Um, third is put your freaking prices on the website for everyone to see, for the whole world to see. Pick up, and, and I, I tell my, 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 my students, pick a price that makes you want to throw up and then add 10% to it. And that is your price. Like that's a solid price. Um, and don't, don't hide it, put it out there for everyone to see, let the world know like, Hey, I believe in, in what I'm doing. I believe in the work that I'm putting out there. You should too. Um, fourth is hire a designer. I cannot speak highly enough about hiring a designer who can execute what's in your brain and make it come out and bring it to fruition and bring it to life. Um, if you do your work and study design and figure out the vibe that your niche market is going to be drawn to, that's going to be wildly helpful for a designer, but hire somebody who can actually execute on this and make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two more. Fifth is pick one to two social media platforms that you can commit to showing up to for your business consistently. And consistency is key. I I know we talked about this earlier. You have to be consistent to build trust. Um, I personally prefer Instagram and my podcast or my blog. I know that I can commit to those. I know I can show up on Instagram. TikTok, no, I'm never going to show up on TikTok consistently. <laughs> I, Facebook, I do not show up on Facebook. Yeah. I don't show up on Pinterest. But I, but pick two platforms that you know your niche market's hanging out on and show up there consistently. Um, I, uh, what was I? I was going to say something. Oh, and part of showing up on social media is showing up real. Like I don't do my makeup and my hair to show up on a stories. I show up in my sometimes in my robe and just do like a goofy story that, and, but, but people trust that they, they, they trust that when I show up and I'm looking a hot mess with my toddler screaming and Coco melon playing in the background, they know that they're getting the real me. Um, and last, this is, this should be again, a no brainer, but I think a lot of people forget how simple this is. Make people feel good. 
Make them feel loved. I don't care if you're an introvert, an extrovert, if you've been shooting for 20 minutes, if you've been shooting for 15 years, make people feel loved, heard, and cared for, and seen, and you have a an unstoppable brand experience and photography business. But again, it has to be genuine, but make people, just make them feel good. That's all you have to do. Take your strengths and make people feel good. I, um, for the sake of time, I'm going to only ask a yes. follow-up question because they, they were very straightforward <laughs> and practical. I mean, you communicated all of them so so well. I'm, again, taking notes. But I want to just touch one more time on on this last point, making people feel good. I don't know where you get that, like why why it is that you're so good at that, whether it was from experience or a combination of that and your parents, you know, DNA, whatever. Thank you. But mm. are there a couple of ideas that maybe consciously or subconsciously you're kind of processing in your mind on an ongoing basis, yeah. just reminders that you can give to our listeners, especially those who may feel kind of on the introverted side, ideas yeah. that you think will help them be a little bit more... Um, a version of Taylor, like WW, what, what was that? WWTD, I guess would be, what would Taylor do yeah. in this case? Um, yeah. So, so part of this is whenever I said that your brand experience should exude you, how do you feel loved? How do you feel seen and cared for? And how can you make that part of your business? Me? Oh my gosh, you send me a Christmas card or a handwritten letter and you might as well have just given me a $500 tip. Like I, that makes me feel so loved. So I do that. Um, when people text me and ask, Hey, how are you? It's, it's, it's been a while that, that again, that's part of my brand experience. I, I keep in touch with our couples on social media. Um, and I'm just checking in with them because that's what makes me feel loved. Mm. Um, if somebody buys me a gift, I would rather crawl into a hole and die, but I love giving gifts. And so that was just something that I was like, I don't love getting gifts, but I love giving them. And so that has to be a part of my brand. So even if you are an introvert, that's, that, that's really what I'm getting at with. It has to be your brand experience has to be you. And Chances are like, again, we all want to be unique, but we're not that different. Chances are, however you feel love, there's, I don't know, 1.8 million people who feel love in that way too. And so. I love the specificity of that, by the way, 1.8 million. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I did my research. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's really true. Like as much as we like to, to kind of prop ourselves up in our heads, human beings, at a very base level are not all that complicated and not all that no. different. Like the base needs are, are, are really quite similar and that's important to keep in mind, I think, and a really great way to kind of sum up our conversation. Um, I know that you've alluded to coaching. You've not asked me to do this, but Taylor, you really are a great teacher. And so I'd love for oh, you to just you. share briefly with our listeners, how they can learn, learn more about your coaching that you offer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one, one quick last point, Nathan, um, yeah. As, as, as far as feeling loved, seen, and heard, if you have never hired a photographer and you have not put thousands of dollars down as a deposit, then you don't know how sickening it is when you don't hear from somebody. So stay in touch with them. Send an email once in a while asking them how planning is going. Introvert, extrovert, strength, not a strength. It is so easy to automate an email that checks in with them a month <laughs> after they've a month after they've booked, say, hey, how's it going? How, how can I support you during this time? That's not hard. And it's going to mm-hmm. make them feel loved and seen. Um, but that's just a very practical thing. So I love that. Um, yeah, and thank you. Thank you for the plug. Um, 
So yeah, if um, you, you've already showed our website and um, Instagram page is at Taylor Jones Photography. And if photographers want to go to taylorjones.co, it's taylorjones.co. I have a free masterclass on there on how to build um, a six-figure brand experience. And not the six figures is the, um, it's, it's, it's not the, I guess like, the only check mark for success. Like I want my students to be happy. I want them to live a passionate, full, wholehearted life. But when I say six figures, I want people to know what their potential is. You, you're, you're not doing this to be a starving artist, right? Like you're doing it to serve, to create, and to make an, a, a, a livelihood, whether it's you and your dog, you and yourself, or you and six kids. Um, it's, it's super in, in, important for you to know what the potential is. Um, and then I did launch my own podcast last week. It's the Fearless Vampire. Oh, awesome. um, for fe- Yeah, I'm so excited. It's for female um, entrepreneurs, especially female creative entrepreneurs. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few options. But uh, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I just love our conversation so much and really appreciate your time. Nathan. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, it's seriously generous, um, especially, I mean, at multiple levels, but especially just the, the practical nature, your teaching style, the actionable information. And I think for all of those that are listening in, I, I, first of all, thank you all who, who joined us today on the live stream. There are going to be many more listening to the audio after the fact. Um, I, I know that you've gotten a lot that you can take away from this and go apply. And I hope you do just that. You know, it's it's so easy in this day and age, Taylor. I'm sure you can relate to this. There's so much content out there that we can take in Mm -hmm. and uh, the last thing that we need to be doing is just taking in content reading watching listening or otherwise just for the sake of doing that or you know and i mean honestly in some cases just to distract ourselves we need to be intentional about how we're consuming that information so for those of you listening and or watching make sure you actually go take jot some of these points down from the conversation today and go apply them to your business that's where you're going to see the results and uh, I hope you'll do just that. Again, thank you, Taylor. Like super, super thank you just so practical much. episode. It's been really, really nice. I really, really appreciate it. For those of you listening in, taylorjonesphotography.com. Uh, Taylor Jones Photography, is it .co? Is that right? Taylorjones.co. Just just taylorjones.co, yeah. .co, okay. And then uh, Taylor Jones Photography on Instagram as well. And I just popped that up there on the screen. Um, you all make sure that you go follow Taylor and uh, you can learn more. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, everybody. Great. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Nathan.